nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living, and joining me this week we have... I am the ambassador, and with these Ferrero Rocher, I am really spoiling you, monsieur, today. You're really spoiling me, yes. Well, I'd like a couple of them. Would you? Um, I don't Ferrero know what I said that. I hate them. I don't mind them. I prefer a Gillian seashell. No, no, even then, I don't see... No, right, you don't mess with chocolate, I don't think. You shouldn't oh. mess with chocolate. You shouldn't. Chocolate is chocolate. Ideally, you know, it should be like it was in the Victorian era, when people couldn't afford it, and it was nice. Ah. Ferrero Rocher, though, thinking about it, now that I've said that, I regret it, because essentially what we're talking about is something that just... It's like broken glass and cement dust covered yeah, in chocolate. Yeah, I always it's think nice. it, it's like a, a, a lump of squirrel shit. Yes, you know that's what I mean. Exactly it's like it, if, yeah. if I, I don't think it'd be a bloody big squirrel, like. But mm. I always think it resembles what I presume a lump of squirrel shit would look like. Ben Elton mm. used to do a routine, didn't he, about the adverts for Marathon, and he's like that. The advert would be, "It's full of peanuts," and it's like that. He said they were asking people different questions in the street, and it was like that. What do you think of squirrel shit? It's full of peanuts. <laughs> they had about the geezer at home saying, "I didn't say that." They asked me what was squirrel shit. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, regret, I, mean, I do regret them changing the name of Marathon because it ruined one of my f- favourite jokes ever, which is what happened to the man who entered the marathon. He got peanuts and chocolate all over his cock. Yeah, I, I can't tell it now. Snickers doesn't work. So, no, I remember uh, the advert when Snickers came out. There was an Australian went into a shop, didn't wasn't there? And he asked the news agent, where's your Snickers? And there's a guy on a walking holiday who said, yes, it does. I saw it. It was shit anyway. No, total <coughs> shit. But no, no, Ferrero Rocher, absolutely shit. not. They're one of those one of those foodstuffs that should be banned. Somebody offered me a blueberry muffin this week. I like that. Why? Because I like blueberries and I like muffins. Right, but wouldn't you prefer if it was a muffin with something nicer in, rather than messing with the texture? Um, you're like Robert De Niro in Casino here, where he's complaining to the chef. He's like, look, this blueberry muffin's got none in and this one's full of them. Right. Right. Well, um, yeah, that's what you're like. No, not really, because I don't think I should have blueberry muffins in. It's not that I would be annoyed if they weren't there. But Why? Then, because the textures are wrong. You've got something nice and soft and fluffy with the old muffin, and then yeah. suddenly it's like, mm, you bite on a bit of fruit. I mean, the, the consistency... Fruit's disgusting. What do you want it? in a muffin, then? Well, I think I'd probably want chocolate, but then whenever I have a chocolate muffin, I don't like it because chocolate's too hard to be in a muffin. So I do think you like I muffins? Need, I don't know. Do I? maybe I don't like them. Maybe that's I think the you prefer the Lancastrian version, the oven bottom muffin, which is like a big uh, burn cake. I don't know. You know, you're, you're starting to sound a bit foreign here. We used to use those. Uh, I used to call them uh, Dole burgers that I used to make. I used to get these oven bottom muffins, generally when they were like 2p in the reduced section, and you'd get onions and mushrooms, fry them in a big pan, cut the muffin in half, uh, scoop in a load of uh, mushrooms and onions, put a slice of uh, cheese on it, boof, dole burgers. This sounds like something out of Poldark. Yes, it was rather. Uh, it was they used it to was... throw them down the mine to you all. Uh, yes, they did, yes, 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 they did, in me snap tin. Um, but if you're if you're looking for chocolate to be authentic, you need the original sort of uh, Mesoamerican thing. There's a, a story about when Atahualpa um, faced Montezuma or whatever he was, the Portuguese, the conquistador, and in the morning he drank a, a cup of chocolate, 
Um, so actually, one presumes seeing as is sugar a new world thing or old world? We had sugar in the old world, didn't we? I don't know. We, we did. When did they start importing that? And obviously, it's it's Georgian. Georgian was when it was first brought in, seventeen hundreds, I think. Ah, I'm unsure think. now. I'm unsure, but um, I think. You know, I remember Grandmaster Melly Mel singing, "Cane, sugar." Kane on white lines. It doesn't matter. You don't need to know what that song was. I know. I, I know, know it didn't enter your. Most of this nonsense is no. Look, chocolate should be made in the Bourneville factory in Birmingham well, by that's ladies. Not there now is it? No, it's not. But they should rebuild it, and then they should make it there, and they give some of the ladies a scholarship. That's what it should be, and then I'd enjoy that chocolate. That's so, that, that would make the chocolate taste nicer. So you enjoy the old days when a a, a sort of. A rich industrialist could uh, give a woman a scholarship for the price of a bar of chocolate. Do you see the warm glow that gives me? <laughs> Aye, I bet it does. Yes, oh. yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, Back you'd enjoy the... that, giving a woman a scholarship, I, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, a Victorian one, at the very least. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. So, enough of the frowning Atahualfan. Um, mm. Atah- I'm getting a bit mixed up with the T- Tyrannosaurus Rex song. Um, <laughs> yeah, my head is mm. full of porridge today. Um, this this lurgy is still hanging around, still clinging on for dear life. Oh yes, it's still it's still there, isn't it? Lurks this one. It, it does. Lurks. Well, sadly, this week it's been a sad week, hasn't it? Because the governor has gone. The man, the, the man, man has Barry. The Cryer. man has gone off to the party. Barry Cryer has left the building, and it is terribly, terribly sad. It is it's... actually. I know he was eighty six, and you know, um, that's a bloody good age, and what a legacy. I mean. You know. All right, it is a good age, but it's not enough. I mean, from a selfish perspective, for us, for for all of us, yeah, there are some people where you could say oh, 142, and you go, oh, just a bit yeah. more would have been nice. Well, he always joked that they'd come up with a method. He's like, I've got a method for freezing me when I'm gone. Cryogenics. <laughs> um, yeah. But but sadly not. Sad- no. But he was. I mean, you know, it looks like he worked right up to the end. Well, he'd just started a podcast. Um, and it was and I brilliant. Think it, absolutely brilliant. Um, I think there were eight episodes. He interviewed, oh, Danny, uh, Danny Baker, Miriam Margulies. Um, uh, Stephen oh God, Fry two, was the first one. Wasn't Stephen it? Fry was the first one. I can't remember who the last one was, but that just came out. And I don't know if there's any more that were recorded and are waiting. I, I do hope they were, there are because they are beautiful. <laughs> just wonderful. He was wonderful. an interesting bloke to talk to because it's sort of like... He was like a broadcast to talk to. He was like constant, you mm. know. He was on about uh, sharing an office, I think, with Eric Sykes in the 60s when they were writing together. And he was like, the only only person I never worked with was uh, Morecambe and Wise, you know, and uh, how he wanted to, how he'd wanted mm. to. He's like, how close did come a few times. But you'd say something and he was off with the gag, mm. you know what I mean? He did one about chip shops. I can't think what it was. It was bloody great. Mm. Um, but... After the Sir Henry show, when he came along, and he just came up to me, and it was just, it was like, Jesus Christ. There was him. Sounds like one of his anecdotes. There's, there's Barry Cryer, Graham Gardner, Neil Ennis, Stephen Fry. Yeah. Um, but he came up afterwards. He's like, how do you remember all those words? <laughs> and he was just shaking his head. Um, <coughs> I don't think he'd ever have to learn a script because he had an encyclopedia in his head. It was amazing, of, wasn't it? It honestly was amazing. It mm. really was to sit up with him till four in the morning talking comedy. And the mm. best advice he's ever given, anyone's ever given me on writing 
was mm. it's not about writing comedy it's about remembering it and i yes. thought yeah that's so spot on that so i, I mm. think he was constantly absorbing anything humorous anyone said but he was able he was. to retain it yeah and and also of course he, he had that i think there was the analytical brain as well that could just tweak a joke ever so slightly do you know the one about what's the one about the parrots that used to be kept in a brothel yeah that's um, the one he told me I, i've not seen anyone put that one out there it's um, wonderful uh, the one on, about the brothel that? yeah because he told it me and it, it was um there's an old lady went to a second-hand show. There's a parrot in there. Said, How much for the parrot? The chap says, £10. He says, cheap. Yes, yes, madam. It was in, it was in a brothel. That's why it's cheap. And she's like, oh, well, I'll take it then. So she takes the parrot home and uh, puts the parrot in the front room and the parrot's like, ah, nice new place, nice new decorating. Ah. And then um, her daughter walks into the front room and it's like, oh, nice new place, nice new girls. Ah. <laughs> and then her husband walks into the room and he's like, "What ah, evening, Keith." <laughs> <laughs> Which I've told it dead shit. He t- it went on for ages the way he told me. Oh, it's you know what I mean. I mean he, he tells that one on on the podcast. I think it's on. Oh, the, does the he? One he does. Yeah, with Danny Baker. Right. Um, and he gets to the end, and you can hear the disdain in his voice because he'd overheard somebody else tell it in a pub, and they get to the end and they say, "Evening, John," and he says, "Oh, no. it's got to be Keith." No, it's got to be it's Keith. It's got it, to be it, Keith. It has to be, because John is not funny. Keith is funny. No, and it's absolutely. That, that understanding of what funny was, yeah. you know, can only come from that career. And it, was it the Windmill Theatre he started on? I, uh, no, I think, I think his first gig was Leeds City Varieties. The City Varieties, that's yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but he did a week at the Windmill very in quick succession, didn't he? Yeah, about just the between the nudie ladies. Yeah, Raincoat yeah. Brigade. And he yeah. said he learned his craft um, there in a week. Mm. Um, but I think that when you look, I mean, if you, it's it's impossible to have a brief look at his career, isn't it? Because it's huge. Yeah. But you you look at where he started. That's gone now. The variety yeah. scene, it that that's gone. But I don't think I was thinking about this, and I, I think obviously every single person, every single comedian who came after him is influenced by Barry Cryer. But I think it's more extensive than that. I think that if we've got a national sense of humour in this country, I think that's Barry Cryer's sense of humour because he permeated Mm. everything, you know, every popular TV show that was watched by 15 million people. There's his name in there. He got everywhere. And and I think a lot of what we find funny in this country nationally is down to Barry Cry. Oh, so thank God for it. I loved as a kid. I didn't know I loved it, obviously, but I loved the Kenny Everett TV show, which I was having a a conversation with um, our mutual friend Simon last night about why Mm. uh, 1992's the cutoff point, really, where Mm. everything changes culturally. And I said, Mm. well, I think that part of it was... um, Thatcher getting rid of the, you know, for a prime minister to get rid of a director general. I think Marmaduke Hussey, wasn't it? She mm-hmm. got rid of because of the documentary yeah. on the, um, I think the Falklands. Yeah, the Falklands um, play that was, yeah. Yeah, so that mm. um, that sort of clipped the BBC's wings as such. Mm. That was the shot across the bows. And then what they did by deregulating the regions uh, in ITV, 
so there was those two things, and also on the other side, it was it wasn't it Maxwell who was who bought up all the local newspapers in the country and made them sort of free advert rags. That's isn't it right, Mirror yeah. Group who bought them all. So it you was. sort of you lost a lot of local identities, didn't you? And and with uh, I'm making me point in a very roundabout way here, but with the Kenny Everett TV show, for example, I think. I'm right, I could be wrong, you'll correct me, I'm sure, in saying that originally it was just shown in the London region, and then it's, right. it spread. Um, and this was the way things were. They, they were kind of regional successes, and then the, the broader network would go, oh, go on, we'll have that, go on, we'll have that. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, with, with Everett, certainly, I, I presume, I'm presuming Barry worked on this one. Um, the first show was Nice Time, uh, which was 1968, and only on in the London region, uh, right. certainly for, a, for its first year. Um, and that was Kenny Everett and Jermaine Greer, which um, wow. I have. I've got one episode of it, and it's wonderful. I must send you that. It's wonderful stuff. Everett was incredible, superb, absolutely superb. But obviously, I think with someone like Everett, you've got this dynamo, this incredible sort absolutely. of creative thing. And I think what you probably needed was somebody like Barry, who, who could come in and refine that those explosions into timed comedy. I think that that's where you needed Barry. Um, I think it was Barry and John Junkin, wasn't it? Is yes. that right? Yes, so, that's it. So what I wasn't aware of as a kid when I was watching this thing, mm. one thing I loved about it was that... Uh, little drag of a fag there in Barry's honour. Um, one thing I loved about it was it wasn't a studio audience job. So mm. the laughter that you heard was generally him. Mm. You know all those laughs you hear? Say, ha, ha, ha. It's yeah. him pissing his pants. It's and him the and the crew. crew. And stuff yeah, like in, those early, yeah. in those early ones. It is. BB, by the time they got to the BBC, of course, you've got the audience. It, not yeah. as good. Not, not as good. As... And Everett blotting his copybook by standing up at the rally for Thatcher and, yeah. you know, doing... Uh, I, I'm Bad. not so sure. You know, he said that he was taking the piss, didn't he? You know, the bam, the bastards thing. Yeah. I mean, well, there there must have been an element there where he was just enjoying himself. There has to have been. But, yeah, it is it is a shame. But the moment then that you said, you know, Barry Cryer, John Junkin, then all of a sudden you start thinking about all of these times that this man has made me laugh mm. throughout my life. And one of my earliest memories of listening to the radio was Hello Cheeky. Um, really? And that finished when I was, oh God, four or so. But I can remember it being on. I've heard some repeats. And I thought, yeah, that's the show. And there's Barry and there's John and there's Tim Brooke Taylor. All just being silly. And it's yeah. just silly <laughs> gags. And there isn't anything there that you can be offended by. I suspect it's the only thing that Radio 4 Extra aren't at the moment, sort of going through and clipping here and there. Because there isn't much in there, which even to modern sensibilities, you could say, oh, I'm offended by that. Because it wasn't the comedy of offence with Barry, was it? Didn't you it say was... that was dreadful, though? Hello, Hello Cheeky. Cheeky. The TV series. Oh, dreadful. is that what it was? Right. Yeah, it, uh, they took it over <coughs> to, uh, to ITV, I think it was LWT. Right. And it didn't work because it's so quick moving. It's, it's like the first show. But if you're going to do that, then you've got to spend a lot of time in production. You've got a lot of spend a lot of time in edit. You've got to spend a lot of money on costumes, sets, and so on. And it wasn't given that. It was just cheap. Right. And because of that, it it didn't have the it, it didn't spark the imagination like the radio show did, where yeah. I could imagine these characters and these places. Hello, cheeky. You often couldn't. It, often it was just a blank set behind them, and you needed it. So you could say it was Brechtian. But it just felt like if you've got that richness of 
comedy. Mm. You needed it to be surrounded by something equally opulent as Barry's humour. And it was opulent. And and it wasn't. So, but the radio series, take my hat off to it. It's it's right. in the same mould as I'm sorry I'll read that again and things like that. Just brilliantly silly. Yeah. Um wonderful, wonderful stuff. Wonderful. Yeah, he said, didn't he, one of the quotes I saw uh, on the internet when he died was about, you know, don't lose touch with your silly. Or yes. something along those lines, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think that's the, those are, are really good words for navigating modern life. I think so. Do you so. know what I mean? Because I, I, I certainly think that the British character um, responds to any uh, attempts toward authoritarianism or extremist sort of politics exhibited in, in our national life or anything like that. I think that the one thing that our national character has uh, that sets it apart from others is our ability to firstly have a laugh and secondly find the absurd even in the most you know unlikely places. You see I, I agree with you my worry is that because now the internet is allowing people to be so polarised that mm. we've stopped basically just going, they're ridiculous, do the Ministry of Silly Walks. I think we're losing that a bit. I agree. And, and that worries me. I've actually, since last week, since we were talking about my strong arm of the law... Oh, um, yes. Yes, since then, I've, I've actually been uh, going out of my way to upset people on the left as well as the right. Oh, and I see. Equal opportunities. Yes. Equal opportunities. It's very easy to do. I did it last night. I listened to the news quiz last night. Um, and there was, obviously, first ten minutes is just, what a dick Boris is. But then, for about 30 seconds, it was, well, what a dick Corbyn is. And I thought, right... Let's just get on Twitter now. So I just put news quiz Corbyn straight away. Poof, it's like, oh, no, you can't laugh at that. So, so I just replied to a few saying, bet you laughed at the Boris stuff, though. Right. You know, you've got to be able to give and take. And the interesting thing were, was nobody argued back. Everybody blocked me <laughs> instantly. They weren't prepared to even justify it. They just went, block. New Not horizons for strong arm of the yard. Oh, yes, now. So, obviously, we're going to have to invent a ghost account to get to these people now. I see. So. Paul Snodgrass lives. Yes, he's, uh, he's going to have to make a return. But So, um, strong arm's going undercover. He's going to have to, yes. Right, so, plain clothes. Plain clothes. Plainish clothes, yeah. Well, I, yes. I think maybe, should we say disguise, maybe? Disguise. Go. Well, the one yeah. good thing, you know, to come out of such a, a sad event as Barry passing has been to see... Places like Twitter unified in love for him. Absolutely. You know. Um, and love is the word for him, isn't it? Yeah, for, for the absolutely. way that people have... Yeah, it's absolute, pure, unadulterated love for silliness and for a brilliant, yeah. brilliant man. And yeah. The last of his missed. kind, I think. I think so. I've I brought this in. This, this has sat in my bathroom for three years now. This is my toilet book. It's just next to the, uh, just next to the loo. Um, and... It's it's just page after page after page of him telling stories and jokes and oh it's it's brilliant. makes going to the lavatory a pleasure. Those are eyebrows, wonderful. I mean, I've, I've got decent mad eyebrows myself. There mm. we go, but nothing like Baz's. No comedy they eyebrows. Were astonishing, there. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's what's your favourite Bazza joke? Is it is it the parrot one? Do you think or? Is there another I don't one? know, because there's been so much gone on the internet the other day. The thing that made me laugh more than anything was him doing uh, Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick to the tune of The Girl From Ipanema. <laughs> it's just because he just cracks up in the middle of it. And it, it's, it's, you know, when someone's gone, it, it's lovely that we have 
<laughs> you know, we have the character recorded. So oh, at the minute, there's that, but there's so many of him. There so are. Um, but for me, at the moment, I'm about to. I'm going to start a re-listen of um, Hamish and Dougal. You'll have had your tea. Yeah. Uh, him and Graham Garden. Those are wonderful. Um, find those um, if you've not heard them before. Have a listen to those because it's just they are pushing it as far as they can get away with comedy you know, yeah. on Radio 4 in the early evening slot. But it's just glorious. And Barry not even really making an attempt at a Scottish accent, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> just not making Graham Garden gives it a bit of a go, but Barry's just not. I suppose um, Graham Garden might be one of the, the last remaining sort of, uh, you know, of that crew. Was, yeah. was a, it was a weird sort of Venn diagram, really, with him, wasn't it, that crossed over into into mm. virtually everyone, you know? Absolutely, um, yeah. And certainly um, with the Graham Garden thing. So yeah. does Graham Garden... I mean, who else is left? You're an expert in all this Well, stuff. I mean, if we're talking, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Humph has gone, Willie Rushton, Tim Brooke Taylor, now Barry. So the original lot uh, are no longer around apart from Graham Garden. He doesn't really do it anymore. I think he made one appearance uh, in last year's run, but but that's it. But again, he's he is getting on a bit. I think that no, that those wonderful people who who could make me laugh on that show. I mean, the, the show is touring again, um, yeah. and okay, you you look at. I was thinking, well, who's the who's on the tour? So you've got Jack D, who took over from Humph, and he's brilliant, I think, as, as the host of that. But then you've got, on the panel, um, Miles Jopp, um, Rory Bremner, and two other people I can't remember. And I just thought, mm, nah. no, 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 not really, because I want, I want people who you know. I want people who you know love what they're doing. And 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 I think for with Barry, I'm not saying that they don't, but I, I think with Barry, you always just got the feeling that he did that thing you sent me the other day, him and Graham Chapman, and when they were writing for Ronnie Corbett, and they yeah. just start by writing, "We discover Ronnie wanking," yeah. and then they just laugh. and they just pissed the pants all morning. Yeah. That was it. I mean, so thinking about it now, you've stirred the memory. So Graham Garden was instrumental in us doing that. Uh, Bristol Old Vic show because he came to see the show in um, an old chapel at the Larn Festival so he made the journey I don't know I think he lives in the sort of the the Bristol region anyway Um, hence his association with the Old Vic and that but he came to Larn in South Wales to watch the show which was fucking mad. It was a Saturday morning it was a cut down version of the show Mm. with the music on um, you know on an iPad yeah. Uh, and with me doing the dialogue and with, uh, of course, Johnny Purple Haze just there doing spoons and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and so there's me and him and it was it was 10 o'clock in the morning we were on. And <clears throat> the bean, uh, there was some, there's some Welsh whiskey, I can't think of the name of it. You might know it. There's only one, Glenderin or something. I, I don't know what it is. Well, I anyway, know. I can't remember it now. And before us, no, that's the other time. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So there was this whiskey there, and the dressing room was just full of bottles of this whiskey. This is bloody half nine in the morning. There was no toilet in this chapel because it was it was a, you know a Victorian chapel. There'll be no mm. toilet visits for you. You'll no, sit no. there and squirm while I talk. <laughs> um, and it's and Lan is where uh, Dylan Thomas um, spent so much time, and that's what he based uh, Undermilk Wood on. Mm. Um, so Bible black. Um, so we were in this dressing room and there's all this Penderin, I think it's called or something. Mm. 
There were bottles of this stuff, and there's me and John Hayes, right? You yes. know what I mean? Oh, so yes. we're just sort of like John's like pouring out measures of this stuff, yes. um, and we and we um, we're knocking these back, and John's like that to me. He's like, dyspepsia in a glass, mm. you know. Didn't stop us though. Um, so we did this show, and we looked out. We just thought a oh, little windswept chapel, ten in the morning. There's going to be nobody here, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing, Robin Ince is there saying, "Oh, uh, do you mind if I do an introduction for the show?" And we're like, "Uh, oh. no, fine." You know. So he got up and did an introduction to the show Absolutely. and described why he loved it, mm. uh, loved Stanchel and loved uh, Stanchel's Sir Henry, which is mm. what we were doing. And um, then we got up there and did the show and looked at, and there was there was Robin Ince. Uh, memory's going to cheat me here. Um, Graham Garden, certainly. Um, Kevin Eldon. And my memory tells me Jeremy Hardy, but I'm not sure if that's mixing it up with the Bristol Old Vic story. Because uh, anyway, so so Graham came there, saw that. That's why we did the Old Vic. But I have to I have to indulge in one more anecdote, which was breakfast the next day in the Bristol Hotel yes. after the Old Vic. Um, so I come down to breakfast. I've been up till four o'clock talking with Barry. We'd all been talking to him, and and he was totally on form. And uh, we were talking about a lot of old what uh, he called the North Country comics. You know, Frank Randall and um, Rob Wilton and all these people and stuff like that. And he's like, we, yeah. we should write a book. And he, and then he went. No, I'll write those with my son. <laughs> um, but um, at breakfast the next day, so he's there. He's there. You know, paper propped up on the coffee pot, bacon and eggs going down nicely. You know, and then at the next table, there's uh, Jeremy Hardy. You know, again, rest in peace, jeez. Um, and he's there. And Graham Garden, I think, was sat with Jeremy. Um, and they're talking about how in films actors put a wig on and look different like Sean Connery and and Jeremy's just eating his breakfast and to himself not to not to make anyone laugh he just said to himself and I managed to catch an earful of it he said uh, maybe all bald men are movie stars incognito <laughs> and carried on eating his breakfast <laughs> it was just brilliant so then uh, this is the loveliest story in the world but I'm still going to tell it so then Ian Lavender comes down to breakfast uh, and I just sat there like that because uh, we'd all been up late, the whole crew of us. Um, and Ian Lavender walked in and he's like that. So the guy comes over, the waiter, and he's like that. Oh, breakfast, sir. And he's like that. Oh, yes, yes, a full English breakfast, please. Uh, and he said, uh, uh, what's, uh, what's the room number and the name? So when he said, you know, what's your name? Barry's trying to pull bacon out of his mouth as quick as he can. So he <laughs> didn't manage it. And Jeremy Hardy beat him to it. Don't tell him, Pike! <laughs> <laughs> and you could see how pissed off Barry was because oh. he hadn't managed to get in with and he's like <laughs> trying to spit breakfast out to go don't tell him pipe you know and he didn't manage it and Ian Lavender just gave them all a withering look and went and sat down he's just like oh. <laughs> you know he's only had 40 odd years of it you yes know. Oh. um Reminds me of, uh, I, I did a, I was in a film years ago playing a waiter in a film called Best. I don't know if I've told you this. Mm. And Philip Maddock was in oh, it. Yeah. So they're over at the bar. There's Philip Maddock. Uh, it sounds like a barry this. There's me, Sheila Stiefel, Alfie Bass, and Lance Percival. Um, 
So he was at the bar like that, and in the break, I was like, that, I'm having some of this. I'm not mm. not passing up the opportunity to say hello to Philip Maddox. So I went no. over, and I was like, I was about to say, oh, my favourite thing you did. And he's like, oh, bloody dad's army. And I was like, I was like, no, Brain of Morbius, you know, straight mm. in with that. And he was like, ah, and he was made up. And he yeah. was, then he was punching. We were filming in the old Planet X in Liverpool. Do you remember that? Mm. Oh, yes, yeah. He was thumping the bar. Fucking dad's army f- going on about it. So uh, the don't tell him Pike mm. thing uh, obviously oh. haunts everyone involved with it. Oh, I quite I like so. your tweet the other week of Van Morrison getting knighted. Um, oh, saying Arthur Lowe. Arthur Lowe, spot on. Sp- absolute spit of Arthur Lowe. I had a good look at Amazing. the picture. I was like, fucking yeah. It's Arthur Lowe, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Now, my, my favourite... I. Well, I've told this to a few people. When I've mentioned Barry, people who sort of, even people who just go, who's that? Um, over the last couple of days. Because people maybe know the work, but they don't know the man. But you just say that, you know, he was a brilliant gag writer. And so far, I'm, I've told this joke about 15 times. And it's just such a quick one. And it, it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? Where a man goes into the doctor's. And the doctor says, I've got to advise you to stop masturbating. And the man says, well, why? And the doctor says, because I'm trying to examine you. Brilliant. Just, it is just so good. It's just so quick and, and like, it just hits you. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful, man. He was wonderful. He was absolutely one of a kind. Mm. He, he literally was one of a kind. It's mm. almost like he managed to bed himself into every, every strata of the British comedy story. Since the day he started, he seems to have started in, I think it was 1957, he said he did the Leeds Varieties and Booth yeah. was off. I mean, 1957, you know, know, you're talking, what, 64, five years Four, ago? 65 years of, of work. So That's, from 21, he was in the business. Yeah, I mean, that is, it's stunning. And still working. I mean, those um, those podcasts were, the ones I've heard, I think they were recorded just before Christmas, so still working a month ago. At yeah. least, with possibly more to come, who knows? But uh, yeah, yeah, he's God. He's going to be missed. He is going to oh, be missed. God, yeah, he's he is literally irreplaceable. Yeah, literally yeah, irreplaceable. Is. He is. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. um. Yeah. Yeah. Harry What more can you say? The, no, just you know, thank you. Is all that you can say. Yeah, isn't thank it, really? you. Thank you for. And I don't know if he'd accept anyone thanking him for his work, but. Uh, wonderful yeah absolutely wonderful. yeah he was he was so glad managed to meet him um and yeah i'm trying you know the memory's hazy there were a few mm. other incidents not incidents there's a few other bits of contact but i can't can't really remember what that was about mm. something else i think it was because i did the man oh no it was the next year of course he was there again when i did the he came to my talk on mancunian films oh yeah that's oh, right. Yes, he came to that. Him mm. and who else came to that? Oh dear, I, I'm not even going ret- to. I can't believe I can't remember the name of the person. It's awful. This is someone famous. Anyway, um, they came along to that, and so that's when we had another four a.m. job because it was the same hotel. <sighs> Jesus, honestly, the amount oh. that man could, st- just the energy. I mean, he must have been. Sp- 2016 what's that five six years just up well five years yeah so he must have been 80 then 81 yeah wonderful amazing amazing and like i say he was down at breakfast before me 
Mm. Stunning. Brilliant. So, this yes. week. Yes. This week. Last week, last week you'd had no new nice things. No. Have we, so- have we sorted this? No, I don't because- think I have. Because you were concerned that you'd bought all the nice things. And, I think um, I have bought all the nice things, apart from the Monster Fun Annual 1981 and 1985, which I can't appear to get. Uh, oh. The Crazy Annual 1985 mm. and the Buster Book 1963. Aside from those things, I mm. have I have every IPC uh, stroke Fleetway um, mm. annual ever released. Um, I've got most of the Oddams. I've certainly got all of the Wham!, Mm-hmm. And DC Thompson wise, I think I'm only missing the topper 1959. Oh no, I think I've got that. Yeah, I got that. Um, so unless I wanted to go down the route of buying Dandy and Beano books from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and we're talking in some well, if you want to buy, uh, if you want to buy the first one, you're talking like 25 grand. No. Oh, no. That's not happening. Um, and then they just get progressively less expensive. But they're still... I mean, I've got quite a few of those, but I can't afford it. So, you know, uh, it's one of those, I suppose, I'm out now on the collecting front with the books. I suppose I could complete the Target novelizations collection, but I don't have the shelf space, really. Well, you can always put more shelves. There's a bit of space there by the keyboard. There's I can't. space by the keyboard. Where? I can see space. Just, just there, next to the keyboard. Let's just have a little look round this room, right? Yeah, so. there's sp- right. Dip the camera down. Dip the camera down. There is no Sh- room. Look, there is no. You're there's, avoiding where I'm trying to look. Above my right head, now, look. next to that keyboard, there's space. I can see a bit of space there. There, Where? just above the typewriter, you could get a shelf for Target novelizations. Just there. Just there. Yes, get the clock down, and you've got a, you've got another shelf. I'm unsure about that. I think, but oh, we'll come see. On, they're not big. They're not big things. You they're not clever. Yeah, uh, so uh, some of Uncle Terry's finest, but I have got all the important ones. Oh, well, that's what main I thing, isn't it? Think. Yes. Oh well, I'm sure there'll be something you? that tickles. Well, mm. ah. <laughs> well, there was almost a nice thing, and then it was ruined. Oh, I. Yes, um, I was uh, once again. The the trains conspired to ruin my day at the end of a long working day, so I popped into the CEX or Sex, I suppose we've got to call it shop, um, in Liverpool, and um, I, I do, there, it's a strange thing, isn't it, for a, for a horrific old cynic like myself? But there are some things that I find incredibly relaxing, and I can indulge myself with, like the you know the Paddington films they did recently. I, I right. do love those. Okay. Um, they, they stay true to the original. And you know what? Each one of them has a section where all of a sudden, apart from the bear walking around, everything goes into that lovely animated style of the uh, cartoons yeah. with the stand-up I cardboard. enjoyed them. I really enjoy. I love the fact that Michael Bond is in the first one with his... Yeah. I think he's sat outside a, outside a cafe with a cuppa or something like yeah. that. So I, I was in the shop just killing time and then I noticed that there was a film of Peter Rabbit. And I am... Fond of Beatrix Potter, and I didn't know there'd been a film of Peter Rabbit. Yeah, a couple thought, of years ago now, maybe maybe five or six. May well be. Well, that could explain why it was only two pounds, and I thought, mm. oh, maybe. That that would be nice on a rainy evening, sort of for an hour and 20 or so. Maybe we'll go with that. So I took it off the shelf, and I looked on the back, reading the blurb, and everyone's very enthusiastic, and then it says that uh, Peter, voiced wonderfully by James Corden. No. And therein lies the reason why it was two quid. Absolutely not. I was I was so cross about that. Um, I I really was very very angered by that, and yeah, I don't think Beatrix so Potter would have approved. 
I, I'm damn certain Beatrix Potter didn't wouldn't have approved. I'm, sure. So instead, you know, to yes. cheer myself up, I just had a look for what was there, and I found something which which is going to take a little bit of explaining. Okay, you explain away. And here it is. So to Blu-ray. Right, uh, this is a surprise. A film for the viewer, uh, for the listeners, a film and an American one at that. Now, I think you'll find it's not a film, Michael, because if you look on the back, this is Jaws 2, Jaws 3, and Jaws the Revenge. Oh, so not even the first Jaws? No, because that's the worst Jaws. Oh, is it? Yeah. So, now, Jaws is an interesting one, isn't it? Because there are so, Stanley, so- uh, Who's in the first one, the British actor now? Um, God, he's, he's in the bloody birthday party, isn't he? Yeah. Am I right? Who are you isn't thinking he? of? No. Who are you thinking of? He is, um, isn't he? Hang on a minute. I'm going to use Google. You have a Google. Okay. Um, you you wax lyrical Ro- about the Are you the thinking sequels. about Robert Shaw? Yes. Yeah, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Yeah. Robert right, Shaw. Okay. Yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he is. I don't approve because there's there's a bit which he improves about you know uh, when people fell off the USS Minneapolis and people were being eaten by sharks and everyone says oh he improved that. I don't believe he did. For right. a second, because it's so well shot, and no, no, he didn't. I don't believe that for a moment. I'm sorry, that's that's Spielberg. Didn't Spiel he die shortly shit. after it? Probably of embarrassment because people were sort of talking about nonsense like that. So, but no, Jaws is the worst of the Jaws films. Right. No, that's no. I'm right. No, let me explain. Right, Jaws two is the best film ever made, and there is no this argument. Is, this is absolutely. This is groundbreaking stuff. This is this is groundbreaking stuff, but Jaws 2 yes. is the best film ever made, and I won't I won't hear any argument on that. Above all film. Okay? It is. Better it's than Carry On Abroad? It's better than anything. Jaws 2. All right then. Film. Okay, right. I'll ride the bus. What, what why? And yet, what it's just brilliant because it eats kids and then it eats an electricity um wire and and its eye explodes. All right. There you so go. that makes it the best film ever. It is the best film ever for, for for many reasons. For many reasons, but it is the best film ever. But the Jaws movies, in order, get progressively better. So I've been trying to understand this. It's a bit of a Jaws paradox I've got. So as far as I'm concerned, Jaws one, it's all right, and then two, yes, three was in three D, and then in four with Michael Caine, which he's never watched, uh, and it eats it eats a boat. That's the best Jaws film, okay? And yet Jaws 2 is the best film ever made. So the only way I can sort of get my head around this is if you imagine that Jaws is, isn't fiction unless it's fiction in the way that Homer's Odyssey and Iliad are fiction. So we're talking about real events that took place, and naturally when you read the Odyssey, it's got that progression, you know, that mm. upwards trajectory of drama. So in my mind, the only way I can justify this is I have to assume that when it comes to Jaws, we are watching a series of real events over a number of years, which get progressively more horrific until it's eating boats. And that's why Jaws 4 is the best Jaws, but Jaws 2 is the best film ever made. Wow. Does that make sense? Well, it makes sense to you. Makes perfect sense to me. I have been thinking about this since yesterday. To try and explain it, but I'm not sure I've got my own head around it fully yet. I just find the incongruity of it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm literally I, I don't even I can't even speak at the minute. 
Right. Because I'm so stunned that, firstly, you like a film and it's American. I mean, this this goes against everything. I, I would have thought Robert Shaw was your in, and no. No, it's not Robert no. Shaw, no. I mean, I I enjoy the be- the making of that film because the shark didn't work. So I like mm. it for that. I like the fact that there's a shot where it comes up and does a sort of like swoops past the boat with its mouth open and you can see a piston in its mouth holding its mouth open. I like that um, in the first film. But Jaws 2, it's just, there's no art. There's no art to that film at all. It's just eating kids. And I think that that's, that's possibly what it is because uh, Spielberg's always been, you know, a bit sort of like, oh, you don't really show children in violent situations. Even in Schindler's List, he symbolised a child's death with a red coat, which yes. is pathetic. So in Jaws... It in references the first... how Constable painted with one huntsman on the horizon. A red coat on the horizon, no. So he stole it, did he? <clears throat> yeah. Right, okay, so we should give the Oscar back. That's what we've established here. So Oscar Schindler? Yeah, he's yeah. dead there. <laughs> He'd probably be grateful after seeing that load of old cack. But you've got, so you've got, you know, Jaws 1 is full of artistry and, and he's taking his time and he's establishing shots and all that. Jaws 2, it's just a shark eating children. And, and they don't try and hide the fact that it's a kid. In the first Jaws, one child gets eaten, but they're right in the distance. And right. you just see them, you don't even see the shot. You just see a child sort of go, and sort Does of like Spielberg jumps up do and down. the sequel? No. Um, ah. Who did, who did the sequel? The sequel um, were Jeanette Sch- Schwartz. Cranky. Yeah. No. No. I approve of... <laughs> I approve of... Je, 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 no. I don't know. I don't know. Probably someone who couldn't speak English looked at the script and went, don't understand it. Let's just Put make a it Put a load of children. kids getting killed in it. load of kids getting... Well, don't say killed. Eaten. Otherwise eaten. it sounds violent. No, well, like it is that. quite yeah. violent. Well, yeah, but it's comedic violence, isn't it? Do you know which... Um, creature on the face of the earth kills more humans than any other each year uh boris johnson uh, mm-hmm. uh, the hippo oh really yeah yeah they can move i believe underwater they can get to something like 40 miles an hour that's magnificent yeah, yeah. i've always they- wanted a hippo yeah well i don't think you'd get one in your pond in the garden but probably not no. um yeah, yeah, they eat more humans than any other creature on Earth. Good God. And the hippo gets quite a good That's... rap, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. So Jaws, mm. so how well, would the yeah. Carmichael enjoy that, Jaws 2? Um, Jaws 2, that's an, that's an any time of day. Any time or, of day. Any time of snacks. day, any circumstances. Snacks or not, uh, drinks or not. In, a few Rocher. Absolutely not. Um yeah. In the comfy trousers or in a full dress suit. I don't think it matters, Jaws 2. Jaws 2, let's remember. Jaws 2 is an anytime film that you can just pop on and just relax. Oh, it's wonderful, Jaws 2. Jaws 2. Jaws 4 is obviously mm. the best Jaws, however. That's but Jaws, incredible. But Jaws stunned. 2 is the best film. Why isn't made. Jaws 1 on the box set? Is that because it's Spielberg and it's obviously... Yeah, he right. wouldn't let it, I would imagine. I mean, you know, not interested. He's lost out on the five pounds I would have spent at sex. That he would Five of your Earth pounds? Yes, absolutely. What but... do you think of Sharknado? <clears throat> well, I've, I have seen a couple of these things. Mm. Because um, they're always being shown, I think, on the Sci-Fi Channel, who put oh, money into it. And I, I, 
I feel about the Sci-Fi Channel a similar way that I do about the BBC. I, I have to stick up for it because for about four years when it first started, Dark the Sci-Fi Channel. Channel showed some really good stuff. Um, they showed, obviously they showed Dark Shadows. They showed Jupiter Moon, which was made in the old Crossroads studio for a year. Ah. They showed some some proper stuff these days. It's total shit, but I'll still defend it because of what they did there. Um, so I have seen a couple of these, and the, the trouble that I've always got is the usual thing that I have with, with, with anything. If it's CGI, mm. I can't... It, it takes me out of the story instantly in a way that model work, the shittest model work in the world, doesn't for some mm. reason. And I think it's to do with the human touch. I mean... In in Doctor Who, Crawl, the giant squid, when Crawl arises from the depths. I mean, it's not the best model. The split screen. Yes. As well. But, but but one of my very earliest memories of, of that programme, I remember that cliffhanger and being genuinely terrified. And yeah. I think because, because it's a model, because it's got people touching it, manipulating it, people thinking about how do we light this so it doesn't look like total bollocks. I think because you've got that human touch, I can completely accept it. Same as I can with Ray Harryhausen. I can totally accept that oh, as reality. Oh, yeah, well, that's stunning. The moment stunning. that you show me CGI, I go, mm. it's just, it's someone yeah. without friends with a computer. It no. looks like a computer game. Yeah, you're yeah, right. I mean, it does. someone without friends. Mm. Um, what's going to say? It's quite condemning of me, but yes. It's the unenthusiastic chanting in Crow. I always remember. Crow, Crow, Crow. Mm. Well, you know why that crow. was, don't you? No. Right. Um, it's because the, the extras playing the Swampies, who are the natives yeah. of this country, they all arrive on location. They all have to be painted green. But they use cheap body paint and it didn't wash off. So they had to be taken to a local, I think it was an RAF base, and sprayed with chemicals to get this stuff off. Jesus. Of course, the next day they have to go back on location, so they all know that, oh, God, we've got to have all that done again and back to oh RAF. Oh, my wherever. God. So I think that possibly explains the lack of enthusiasm. Certainly that may explain why John Abenuri looks quite cross. I don't think John Abenuri's wonderful, isn't he? I wonderful. love John Abenuri. I think wonderful I might have the book. Like I remember Crawl. When I was a child, the, mm. the books I got out of the library, the first two books I got out of the library were Crawl and The Nightmare of Eden. Mm. Um, do I have either of them? Uh, doesn't look like I do. Oh, right, there we go. So, Crawl. Um, there it is. What I always remembered about them was that we made us own fun them days, you know. Oh, yes. Is that if you looked from the back mm. at the covers on the light, I thought they looked like photographs. So, you oh. see, we made us own fun then, Paul. I think that's Andrew Skeletor, isn't it, that, that Probably is, yeah. I'm just looking to see if I've got any targets in here. I think they're all in the other room. Hang on. Well, if you look that. at them, if you open the cover and look at them, the cover through um, the back of the cover, it looks yeah. like a photograph. That's oh, how give... good Andrew Skeletor is. Oh, hang on. I've got one here. Right, I'm going to give it a... Hang on. Hang on. I've got the green death. Hang on oh, a sec. Oh, yeah. Let's try this. Ah, but what is the... Which oh, green death have are. you got? Green death. Let's have a look. Ah, but the Green Death's not that good an example, because isn't it a uh, um, uh, Achilleos one? Uh, it is, yes. Right. Yeah, that won't look like a photo. Maybe it will. Oh, no, I see what you mean. Yeah, they look like photos when you look at them from the back, don't they? Oh, I like that. Oh, I'd never yeah. seen that. Yeah, yeah, you see. <clears throat> this is what I... There's, there's one for the impoverished childhood, you see. Oh, perfect. 
absolutely how lovely so um yeah anyway so that's that's why so if if you give me a film which has got a giant shark in that doesn't yes. work properly i can totally accept that's real but sharknado it's right. all cgi and not very good no can't accept it can't but there's lots of kids it. getting eaten in it though Oh, probably. I don't know. Yeah. But they'd be Americans and they'd be all doing crying. And I'm not interested in that sort of thing. There used to I be need... a strip called Gums in the Buster. And it's mm. the same cover. It's a shark with its gob open, gob open with no teeth. <laughs> and so it was always spitting its false teeth out. <laughs> I like that. There I you go. Like that. Yes, that's nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I can accept any old wonky model work. I can absolutely accept that's real. But the moment... And I think it's possibly because, of course, when Titanic, dreadful. Um, awful, was fucking awful. shit. When, when that was first released, um, I remember there was a shot. And, of course, it's been altered now because they can't leave these bloody things alone. And no. that's something that I should mention in a moment about not leaving things alone. But um, there's a, there was a shot when Titanic was first released where, for some reason, they hadn't flipped the CGI and you uh, just on one shot as the ship went past. And so um, the, the name was back to front and it read Kinetit. Um, and they hadn't noticed. And the moment that I heard that that shot had made it out into early release prints, and the moment that I heard that all four funnels were spewing smoke when only three of them did, add that to the fact that it went nine months over its shooting time. And he's not oh exactly Kubrick, is he? The moment that I heard that and everyone says it's genius, I thought, no, it's not. He can't plan and it's slapdash. Not interested at all. Is that James Cameron? Yes. Mm. Don't approve. No, um, no, I don't like that film. I've never liked any of that schmaltzy shit anyway. No. no. Um, and, and with ruining things, right? So Jaws 4, which right. is the best Jaws, um, mm. right at the end when it's eating a boat, um, uh, it manages to knock this little Rastafarian chap into the water. Mm. And you get this lovely shot where the camera is looking up and the shark is swimming above the camera. And you can see this chap and his legs are hanging out this side of its, of the shark's mouth and his torso is hanging out the other side. So obviously it's got him, like properly yeah. got him in its teeth. And then there's about another 10 minutes of film and then he pops up and he's all right. And I think that's ridiculous, but I love that. And the man has clearly been eaten, but he's okay. If you watch it when it's shown every half hour on ITV4... yeah. It fades to black before he reappears. And uh, I don't approve of that. I, do, I think that's wrong. No, show me that. It's a bit like, I don't know if you read this week, but um, the Chinese government have censored Fight, Fight Club. Club. Yeah. Yeah, where they've cut the end and they just replace it with a caption that said, it turns out he was mental and so we locked him in an asylum and everyone was happier. Um, don't, is that don't, what it is? I saw the th I saw the article. I didn't read it. Yeah, it was that. <laughs> they say he was locked up. Um, I don't the know. The police arrested them all. Police arrested them all. The bomb didn't go off, and he was put in an asylum and released in 2012, happier, um, rather than giving us the ending. So, as far as I'm concerned, ITV4 as bad as the Chinese government. Oh, ITV4 are terrible. I mean, the way they butcher stuff. Mm. It's unwatchable on there. I mean, you you know. Do they, are they the ones that show... Do they show Sherlock Holmes, the Brett ones? I think so, yeah. Yeah, well, even back when they were not ITV4, what were they? Granada Plus when they Granada started. Plus. Those, yeah. Even then, they'd trim, like, six minutes out of a Holmes mm. so that they could get 12 minutes of adverts in it. Yeah. So I think they're 54 minutes, aren't they? They are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they would... You know, when you'd record them and chop the ads out, they were always 48. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. So it's just like they should be. But um, yes. no, I, you know, Granada Plus was a strange one because um, it's the quickest that a channel has ever been closed that I'm aware of. Um, the um, they knew that ITV Two was coming, which was going to replace Granada Plus, um, and they got a phone call during an ad break. And I think it was during a classic Coronation Street. They got an advert to say, "You're off, gone," and they just closed the channel. There was no close down. It was wow. just finished. ITV2 starts tomorrow. Well, That's this it. is the trouble with the deregulation, going back to the conversation earlier, mm-hmm. which is we went from having lots of lovely things like Granada and ATV and Thames and Southern and all this other stuff, mm. where you've got ITV1, ITV2. I, mm. Everything's numerical, and it reminds me of <clears throat> John Gregson when he stands up in the Titfield Thunderbolt and he's giving that impassioned speech because they want to save the local railway to stop them just having everything on the road. You know what I mean? Is that what you want? You know, all your houses will have numbers instead of names. And I always remember that line, and and I think that's applicable to the the way ITV has gone. It's all, I mean, you still have the tokenistic, you know, Granada News and Meridian mm. News, Meridian No, Yorkshire no. TV. Um, but you I th- still I have Meridian. Almost. I think Meridian went in the last round, actually. But all right, so that, that's yeah. gone as well. That's gone. Meridian's gone. Yeah. So you still had that little sort of token, didn't you, with the news? Yeah. Mm. I think Calendar News was Yorkshire TV's one. Calendar News is still on. Friend of right. mine directs on it. Uh, yeah. So that's that is still going. But yeah, uh, but it is tokenistic. You're right. Yeah. Everything's uh, ITV one. It is, and it's that desire to just build the brand, you know, rather than having this unique collective of little programmes, you know, all where they used to send their programmes to each other down phone phone lines. You know, you didn't have yeah. centralised playout. Crossroads would be played from ATV, yeah. and they'd either show it live or they'd record it, and they'd show it half an hour later. That you, you don't have that community buzzing about anymore, and that's sad. That is sad. Well, this it's, is it. You see, every, every you know, they go on about um, decentralising the industry from London. Mm. Well, that's what we had. Mm. You know, and each ITV region ended up falling into specialities, didn't they? You know, you'd have... Like Southern would do, like Wurzel and Jack Argreaves and stuff like that. But they also didn't they do things like freewheelers and stuff like that early yes, doors. Yes, they did. So yeah, they kind they of specialised in a bit of nice children stuff. HTV, you know, all the stuff that, like Sky, Children of the Stones, yada yada yada. Um, yeah. ATV did sort of variety. I think, I think oh. quite poor detective drama, to be quite honest. You know, things like. Um, the XY man, which became, was it, yeah. did Granada make strangers? Yes, they did. They yeah, made so they strangers. took it on, didn't they? Granada made some quite low rent Euston film stuff. I mean, I don't yeah. think anyone could compare with what Thames and Euston made. No, absolutely not. Lloyd but Shirley, wasn't it? And Verity Lambert. Verity Lambert, absolutely mm. going over to Thames there. But LWT, she went to first, and then Euston, or the other yeah. way around. But um, but no, absolutely. But you did have. I think because of that, you had variety. You had that variety. And it wasn't all in London. Absolutely. Which is now what we're being told is wrong. But now what you've got, I don't know if you saw, but this week um, ITV announced that um, they're stripping the schedules. So um, Emmerdale is going out, uh, shifting to 7 o'clock, no, 7.30, five days a week. And Coronation Street no longer will be half hours. Coronation Street is one hour, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8. So... Clearly, what that is is that's an attempt to destroy EastEnders. Okay, Very... I, I know EastEnders are fucked, but I mean, what about mm. how are the ratings on things like Corrie and 
And Amadella, they healthy are they are. Not particularly. I mean, well, not in line with if you look at where they were in sort of 2000 or something like that. You know, you've got Corrie's um, average is around about six million. Amadella is around about five. Is the soap in its death throes then? Yes. It is. Right. Um, it is because what you you've have got Netflix soap. and Amazon stuff, haven't you? That are kind of like American series where you can sit and watch five series of very complex and very interesting story arcs. I know it doesn't appeal to you. It's not but, interesting, but there's they've hit upon a formula, haven't they? That I would I would suggest David Chase when he created The Sopranos is the guy who first nailed it, I and suppose. then that formula has been repeated, hasn't it? it? It has. I mean, what you've got now, though, I think with soap is they've forgotten what soap was meant to be. Soap is meant to be a reflection of life. You watch you watch Emmerdale in its first 15 mm. years, starting in 72, and it is like spending half an hour in rural Yorkshire. Mm. You watch Coronation Street for any of its, pretty much its first 25 years. I knew those people. I, we, there was an Ian yeah. Sharples on my road. Yeah, 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 and they um, looked like that. They absolutely they look, they did. They had the looks, but on. But then my Auntie Lena all... looked the spit of Minnie Caldwell. My Auntie Lena, you know, she was with the with the with the hat that the yeah. hat was always on that looked like a cake. The, these were real people, and they reflected. But now, what you get is since 1992 is uh, when is. this happened. Uh, strangely enough, uh, 1992, um, Emmerdale were basically told, right, you need to sort your ratings out. You need to build things up crash? a bit. This is the plane crash. And the moment that they dropped that plane on Emmerdale, every soap went, oh, that's what we do, is it? Mm-hmm. We don't reflect everyday life. We blow things up. Yeah. And they, I think they blow Emmerdale up about once every 15 months, 16 months, something like that. They blow everything up. Right. Um, or drop a helicopter on it. Or something I was watching a while ago where there was a fur, they had the village fur, and then someone got stuck in the Hall of Mirrors, and um, due to, I think, a helicopter crashed, which caused something in the Hall of Mirrors to become unstable, and they were then they were guillotined to death by a falling mirror. This is Emmerdale. This is Emmerdale. And, uh, oh my no, God, no, wonder I, no one's watching it. Yeah, but this is all of them. This is all of the soaps now. There is not one soap that is basically just an everyday developing serial that you can relax with. I well, mean, if again, you were to, identity uh, crisis. Absolutely. I'll tell you now, you turn on Emmerdale, have a look at it. There's no Joe Sugden. You won't see Fraser Hines. You won't see Annie. You'll see a lot of people wow. exploding. No, I mean, I haven't watched I think the last time I saw it would have been when my mum was alive, so it's got to be 20-odd years ago. The last time I saw it was when Butch Dingle died. Oh, I remember Butch Dingle dying. Yeah, there was some kind of crash and he died of internal bleeding, didn't he? That's right. That's right, Um, No, just unutterable shit. No, I'm afraid Um, if you want... If if what they want is to... Is to do anything decent, then they've got to... They should look back at just re-establishing those identities. That's what people want. They don't have to sort of, like, do anything other than just give them all little idents and have... They've got the studios dotted around... Do you remember um, Billy Conley's routine, though, about Brookside and that? And he's like, people are telling me the realism is is fucking staggering, you know? (coughs) And he's saying, like, you know, and I watch the thing, and there's somebody there saying, would you like a cup of tea? Okay, the kettle will be boiled in a minute. Would you like some toast? The fucking realism. You know, and he goes (laughs) off, like, you know. So, I mean, I think people want... Would you like some toast? I think people like that. 
think so. But I don't think they want it five days a week. No. That's too much. I remember when Corrie introduced a Friday episode. And they said, oh, we used to do it in the 60s. Mm. So that's permissible. So it went Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But I don't know. I don't watch any of those things. Obviously, is is there any of the old guards still in these shows? Ken Barlow's hanging on. Is um, he? At the age of, what's he, 80, 85, 86 or something like that? He's yeah, he's in, in some religious cult, though, so he's going to live till he's a 1,000, he said. Uh, something like that, yeah. Um, yeah. Nobody that you recognise in Emmerdale, although lovely Louise Jameson has just started filming. She's taken up lovely. a role there. Um, that's her third soap. Uh, well, fourth, if you include Emmerdale Farm. She was the first person ever killed in Emmerdale Farm um, no. back in 72. She's taken up a stint there, but there's nobody you recognise. Um, for me, the only soap which I can bear... And I don't burr it that often. I'll tune into River City, uh, which is BBC Scotland's soap, because it's one hour a week. That's it. Mm. And it's just one hour a week. And it's a healthy combination of outlandish storylines and normality. There's a lot of normality. So take there. the high road meets Taggart. Basically, yeah. That That's what we're talking about. I think they've got it right. And I think they've got it right by having it on for one hour a week. And that's all. Um, but if you were to try and watch all the soaps now, I mean, I'm a, uh, EastEnders has gone back to its half-hour slot that it, it didn't have whilst the COVID bollocks was on. Oh, so right, okay. you've got, what, four four episodes of EastEnders, you'll have oh, five fuck. episodes of Emmerdale, and you'll have the equivalent of six episodes of Coronation Street. Nobody has that much time. Not when there is Nobody's Jules interested. to watch repeatedly. No. I mean, they, uh, they used to do the omnibus on a Sunday, didn't they, of all this tripe? Mm. You know, there'd be an EastEnders omnibus. Yes. On a, oh, God, do you know what? It's just the most fucking miserable memory ever, that on a Sunday. Oh. Bloody EastEnders on, on a Sunday, you're just like that. Fuck this, I'm off out. Absolutely dreadful. And then I dreadful. think Corrie's on in the afternoon, isn't it? Corey has Yes, yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. If anybody no. can sit through this... Garbage. Good luck to you. No, you absolutely. Know, I I agree with you. Emmerdale Farm. Yeah, there was some interesting stuff in there. there was. Didn't didn't Joe Sugden have a car crash in one? Yeah, but that was but that felt real. Mm. That you would you know because people do occasionally have car crash. That's mm. why I like the Archers, right? Because nothing happens for no. months, and then this week. Um, there was an episode and you've just got um, David and Ruth Archer are driving home after something and suddenly she screams, David, look out, screech of tyres, bang. And you go, and because that never happens, all of a sudden, for the first time, with anything being broadcast, I was like, shit, what's what's that? They were fine, they'd hit a deer, so it was fine. Oh, I obviously. see. All right. That, well, and that's, that's all it was. That it wasn't a plane. Yeah, it wasn't a plane falling on them, and it's totally realistic. So I'm, that's absolutely fine, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. because it won't ha- nothing will happen now for the next six months, and they'll go back to nice, slowly developing storylines, which is what I want. I just want 13 minutes of people talking. That's it. I don't oh, and- want exploding lesbian vets. Well, nobody does. No. Um,. Especially not of the play by William Hartnell. Um, have you? What are the uh, listener figures then for the Archers? About <clears> six million. Honestly, yeah. So yeah. a couple of people going who are in a studio gets as many um... as Coronation Street. Absolutely. Wow. If Corrie loses about a hundred thousand viewers, the Archers is going to be the most popular soap opera in the UK. 
And why? Because if you listen to the omnibus of that, 55 minutes for the omnibus. Done. Right. Lovely. So how long is an episode? Uh, 12 and a half minutes. Really? 12 and a half minutes. That's Has it, it always been 12 and a half minutes? Used to be 15, and then they went to six episodes a week. So they went, well, we'll just trim it. We'll just trim it. So we're not right. doing any extra work. And then we've just got, you know, we've, we've got it there. Um, so it's about that, yeah. And I love the fact that you've got actors in there who've been in it since it started in 1951. Um, June Spencer, um, who plays Peggy, uh, is in there. She's 102, this no. actress. 102. And she was in it this week, um, worried that somebody was flirting with her boyfriend, um, who's played by... Paul Copley, um, oh, yeah. who you, um, who's married to the saucy one from Father Dear Father, Natasha Pine. Um, Is he the little Yorkshire fella? Yeah, that's it. He's been Big in, ears. Yes, he's been in everything. Now he's in the Archers and his 102-year-old girlfriend was worried that someone was flirting with him. Lovely little comedic scenes um, while somebody was worried about sweeping up the, the yard. Uh, lovely. And I can lose myself in that. Mm. For just 13 minutes. And I don't have young directors trying to make it look cinematic. Don't try and make Coronation Street look cinematic. It's not cinema. Oh, don't. Coronation Street. It just makes me feel sick. All those shows just make me feel sick. It's a production just line. shite. It's a production line. I, yeah. was, I was informed once of how... I think there was... Oh, no, I won't see which show it was. Um... Uh, but there was, there was one of the soaps that was being shot and they were in um, in one of the family homes and one of the walls, one of the flats, came down in the back of the scene. Put it out. It's all right, we'll try and deaden the sound. Uh, put it out. Fix it in post. There you are. And they can't not do that because right. if you're trying to turn out six episodes a week and you're not doing it the, cor- uh, the crossroads way, rehearse, record, if you're trying yeah. to do six a week, sometimes, you know, they're doing up to ten a week so that they can get a little bit of a holiday over Christmas. It, it all goes out the window. Quality control's gone. Do we Sad. ever see Rosamond Street now? Oh, I, I think you might do, because they built a right. new set, didn't they? Right. Um, they built a great big new set at Salford Keys, and then all of a sudden they realise that they've got a bit of a problem, because all of a sudden it sounds like seagulls have come to Coronation yeah, Street. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's. I remember reading about that. Yeah. But I mean, EastEnders, I don't know if they've finished it now, but they were building a massive expansion of that. They have. It's finished. They've started filming on it. Um, right. 86 million quid uh, for your EastEnders. Of our money? <clears throat> yes, but it's not the point. That could have gone to Prince Andrew's Defence Fund. It could have done, yes, or they could have gone to getting the sixth episode of The Archers back on, which they've not done for three years because of COVID. They need to sort mm, that. Um, all right. I can't justify that one, actually. I can't. No. I, can ju- I can justify the planning. When it was being planned, the ratings were healthy. Three and a half million an episode. Well, they'll probably sell it all off as flats, won't they? That's what they do. And they yeah, demolished the ATV building in the process. Yes, they did. I can't approve right. that. So you see, there's a lot there for you as strong arm to fix. There's an awful lot, because now I can no longer wander around like Patrick Weimark at the beginning of the power game. Not at all. Don't like so, that. Um, Mr. Hmm. C. Yes. Um, what's what's on the agenda for this week? Bit of 1990 with Edward Woodward? I've started 1990. You know what? I, I'm i trying to work out where I... I think you gave me that. I did. But I, I think you gave me that about 10 years ago. Long time ago, yeah. And it's been yeah. sat on a hard drive, and I've always... 
I've avoid. I love my dystopia. Um, there's a wonderful series, an LWT series called um, The Guardians, which is a 13-parter, um, which I bought in the network sale because because it stars Mrs. McCluskey. And I thought, well, we'll have that. Oh, God. Rather like Gwyneth Powell. So we got that. Um, and that's magnificent. And for some reason, I've put off 1990 because I thought it can't compete with this. Um, I'm loving it. I, it's I think brilliant. The, the but it's weird, though, how he just... Is, but he just sort of seems to be able to sneak into the Ministry of Information, doesn't he? He's just he's, the next thing he's in the office. Yeah, <clears> I mean, like he's got in through the back door. Yes, but the moment that I, I sat through the titles, episode one by Wilfred Greterex, I thought I'm in safe hands. That's yeah. all right. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna enjoy that. It's it's a good series. I will and enjoy that. You over could there. also tell yourself that it it's Cal and he's got a bit older, and this is just before he went to America to live with his son for the Equalizer. I'm I'm doing all of that apart from the last bit. Oh, I see. Okay. Not that you don't bit. like that idea, do you? No, because I don't think he wanted to go. I think he had to. I don't yes. believe Edward wanted to for a moment. What's that one they made? Was it a Magnum for Schneider? Was that the one they, the remake one they made? Or was that the original series? No, that was that was the original uh, one-off drama ah, from right, which Callan came, and then the feature film. Was yeah. a remake of a Magnum for, Sh- for Schneider. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. What was the yeah. one that didn't Channel Five make one? A summer, they mm-hmm. made a, a really sort of late one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, ATV ATV made one. Um, yeah. In 1981, uh, a one-off Callan um, with him and Russell Hunter, which is called Wet Job. Um, that's right. And it's dreadful um, because they've uh, decided that it needed incidental music, which is quite tinkly being played on a very early synthesizer. That's all. That's up there. Won't watch it again. No. Um, so, no, absolutely not. But, yeah, Channel 5 gave it a shot. Why bother? Channel 5 tried to remake Doomwatch. No. Mm, remember that. No. Absolutely that. not. One episode, Fallen Angel, total shit. No. Well, let's try to go on a high note. Yes. So, um, you've got some pop, I've got some water, so... Uh, yes. Uh, we raise a glass Barry to Barry. Cry. Absolutely. To Barry. Cheers, Bazza. Cheers. And uh, until next week, we hope you all have a lovely week. And until the next time, goodbye. Bye bye. Presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. (laughs) 